Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. As a part of this commitment, they've recently transitioned their workshop to 100% green energy, a substantial step in their sustainability journey. While staying devoted to eco-friendly production practices, Yumiko remains passionately focused on connecting and lifting the dance community to promote a more loving and equal world through the power of togetherness. For our listeners in the New York City area, Yumiko's flagship store is currently open with limited hours, or you can always shop online at yumiko.com. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to participate in their weekly giveaways and to stay updated on all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by National Ballet of Canada principal dancer Gillian Vanstone. A native of Nanaimo, British Columbia, Gillian trained at the Kirkwood Academy of the Performing Arts and Canada's National Ballet School. She joined the National Ballet of Canada in 1999 and was promoted to principal dancer in 2011. We talked to Gillian all the way from Australia about her career, breakout roles, stage fright, what COVID has been like for the dancers of National Ballet of Canada, and about hope for the future. Gillian, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think we're setting a record for biggest time difference for our podcast. You are, where, yeah. where are you in Australia? I'm in Brisbane at the moment. Brisbane. Okay. So we're yeah. 15 hours different. Daylight savings got me confused because that just happened. <laughs> yeah, they don't do it here. Right. So that's also what, what messes things up a little yeah. bit. So, yeah. <laughs> we did have that realization this morning. We're recording this on the daylight savings time change. And I texted Michael and I said, is that different? Like, I bet you they don't do that in Australia. We need to figure out what time we're doing this. Well, they actually do it in some places and not others. So in Brisbane, they don't change. But if you were calling Melbourne, they would have done a change. So yeah, it's it's different. Confusing everywhere. Oh, I know. <laughs> the important thing is that we are finally together after weeks of negotiating between a 15 or 16 hour difference, whatever, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Jillian, um, 
now that we have you here, let's get to your story. We want to hear a little bit about um, how you first just became interested in ballet or dance generally. Okay, so from the very beginning. Very beginning. Okay. Um, (laughs) Um, So when I was three years old, my mom signed me up for a parks parks and rec program. Mm -hmm. And it was just a week long, I think they called it movement with music or something, but I decided that it was ballet. (laughs) For some reason, I don't know why. I was only three. Um, And I loved it. And I have memories skipping around with a scarf and thinking I was just lovely. Um, and I had these little black ballet shoes that I remember really clearly. Uh, so I was in love with dancing from, from that point on and then kept after my parents asking for lessons. Mm-hmm. And when I was about six, they thought I had the attention span that <laughs> would warrant the expense. So right. uh, that's when I, I was signed up at a local ballet school um, and, and, you know, did the whole ballet tap jazz Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of musical theater, but I really can't sing. So, you know, <laughs> right. lots of passion, but but not much behind it in that department. Um, That's funny. So when I was 13, I went to the National Ballet School in Toronto, mm-hmm. in Canada, and um, did my high school there. And uh, yeah. When did you feel like, so obviously it caught your attention right away as a three-year-old and then as you, you know, signed up for classes and kind of started this structure of ballet, when did you, did you decide like, oh, this is what I want to do and I want to make a career out of this? So I was eight Mm -hmm. and it's, I I remember very clearly going to my mom and saying, you know, I really, I want to be a ballerina. And she was kind enough to take me seriously because so many <laughs> little kids say that, you know, and she, she at least pretended well, and she's like, okay, that's interesting. And she went to my teacher, she asked if it was, you know, even a, a remote possibility and mm-hmm. my teacher was encouraging. And um, so at that point I got more serious, you know, I did some more days a week. Uh, I was in dance and um, at that point I, I, I find it, quite interesting looking back because I'd never seen a full-length ballet. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. What what was your experience with, when did you start to see actual live ballet? So I I had been to the theater. I'd been to plays Mm -hmm. at that point, but I didn't see an actual live ballet until I was 10. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I saw Royal Winnipeg Ballet used to travel to Vancouver a lot. And I grew up on Vancouver Island um, in Canada. So at that time, it was a bit of a trip to to see anything. Now the town where I grew up, Nanaimo, BC, has a theater and they bring in an amazing uh, programming season. But at the time I had to go to either Victoria or Vancouver. So it was a two hour trip if we were going to see something. And uh, Royal Winnipeg Valley used to travel a lot. And we went over when I was 10, we saw Swan Lake. And that's actually when I first knew that there were companies and mm-hmm. also professional schools because there was an advertisement for the Royal Winnipeg Valley School in the program. Mm-hmm. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> this is you can go and do your academics and train with ballet and that's how your high school can be. Um, mm-hmm. so that was really an exciting thing for me and I think a bit of dismay for my parents as they saw how much I was latching on to that idea. Yeah. 
So how did you then decide like, okay, I need to advance my training. I need, you know, a professional, I need to be in a professional school. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, some of it was a bit chance. There was no one in my family that uh, had been to a professional, you know, nobody had danced even. Um, Like I said, we didn't even know these places existed (laughs) when I was growing up. And so there, yeah, there wasn't really somebody that was guiding me in that direction. And at the time, not many people had even gone to a summer program from my community. Now, since a few of us have gone on, from my, you know, small hometown, more and more people are, are aware and going off to summer programs in these schools and going on to the full-time programs. But at the time, it just wasn't really happening. Mm-hmm. And a couple of my friends auditioned for the summer program at NBS. And so the next year I thought, oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty great. Mm-hmm. And, and went and again, traveled to Victoria, which now you don't have to do mm-hmm. um, to go and do the audition and um, went to the, the month-long summer program at NBS that, that first year. And the first year I was accepted into the program, but didn't quite feel ready to leave home. I was only 12. And again, looking back, I think, oh, my gosh, what a chance I took. Because I kind of thought, oh, I'll just go next year. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Really think about maybe they won't accept me next year. Or, <laughs> you know, like, I, I just thought, like, oh, this, you know, I'm dancing. This is fun. And mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite ready. So next year will be fine. You know, right, these, right. these chances I took that now I think, Oh my gosh, that was a little risky. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still very young, 13 to leave home to to go to school. They have a, a dorm that can accommodate yeah. kids that young. That's yeah, great. It's actually, it's pretty great because it's one of the few schools that has uh, a dorm full academic program and mm-hmm. dance training all within the same facility. Oh, wow. So it's really, yeah, it's a really impressive program, actually. So how did your parents take this? I mean, they should have been preparing <laughs> themselves for the past, what, I guess it was uh, five years since you had decided you were a dancer. <laughs> they knew it was coming. But were they supportive? Or, you know, 13 is just um, so young. Yeah, I was little. And I, I thought I was I thought I was so big. And I look back at pictures with me and my frizzy hair and my braces. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm so little. <laughs> um, my parents were really supportive. I mean, I know that if it had been their choice, they would have preferred me to stay at home. Um, they had a few friends, actually, whose parents hadn't let them pursue their passion. Mm-hmm. And it was one, one person, it was actually dance, but another person, it was hockey. And you know, it's one of those things, the chances are slim that you're going to be the one that makes it. But these two people that they knew, they always wondered. And they thought, you know, what if I had tried? What could have happened? Mm-hmm. And my parents thought, well, if she goes and it doesn't work, at least she'll know right. that, that that's how it went. And she won't spend her whole life thinking, oh, I wonder what it might have been. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful that they they thought that way and let me go because I was just this little kid from a fairly small place. And Mm -hmm. um, it was a long way to go. Uh, I mean, having said that too, my dad, I think was a little more caught off guard because the summer program, it's a feeder into the full-time professional program. And he kind of thought I was going to summer camp a little bit. And so he gets this, yeah, he gets this phone call at the end of the summer program saying, Oh, we'd like to take her full time. And he was, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) what? I thought she was going for a few weeks to yeah. 
a dance camp. You know, right. like sure. he, he didn't really understand. So I think it was also probably good for them that I stayed home an extra year and everybody got used to the idea. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a long way to go. I was, yeah. I was pretty little. I'm sure that the academic program probably also made it more feel more approachable to your parents yeah. as well. Having that so important and great to have that all combined so that you don't have yeah. to have those crazy schedules. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's really, it's really great how they, they put everything in it. And I think they came at the end of the summer program to see it all and to see where I'd be living and who was taking care of me and, and all the facilities and spoke to a lot of people and watched a lot of classes. So I think that also helped that they were welcomed in, you know, as a lot of parents were to, to see what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you've known that there are real ballet companies for a while. <laughs> so <clears throat> did you have, um, did this, did you start to develop a dream of dancing for National Life of Canada professionally? And, and when did that kind of become a realization as a, a, a possibility? When did you know like this could mm-hmm. actually happen for me? So as part of the program growing up and going through the school, um, there, there were tickets to the shows. Mm-hmm. So we got to see every single program uh, as, as kids and, so that was my introduction to the company and my my beginnings of falling in love with it. Um, I I got to know you know the people that I really admired and the dancers that I liked watching best and the ones that I was so excited to see their names in the program. Mm-hmm. I I also felt a sense of being really excited that there was a company at that level in my home country, mm-hmm. and there was something about that. Um, I don't know, like, it, I guess I'm somewhat patriotic, but it's not a huge thing in my life. Um, mm-hmm. But there was something about that that really made me feel like I wanted to be a part of that. And, right. and it was nice to think, oh, I don't actually have to leave my country to get to do what I want to do. Yeah, right. You know, it was it was always that thing, you know, people would say, oh, well, do you, do you want to dance in Europe? And do you want to dance in, you know, people who don't really know, they say, oh, are you going to go to Russia and things like this? <laughs> and I was like, well you know, it's right here. I can, I can do it here. So right. that I, I always kind of like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand that. So, but it's just interesting because now you've, we'll get, we'll get there, but you've had this <laughs> illustrious 20 plus year career, but did you ever, even those beginnings think, consider looking outside or just like this, I, this attraction of having this in your home backyard, not really a backyard that's six <laughs> hours away from home, yeah. uh, like, but yeah. Did you ever um, consider it? I did. I thought about it. Um, and it's funny too, like the ideas that you have, even when you've gone through a program and you've been exposed to a lot of international choreographers and dancers, because again, the like MBS is really good about bringing people in and sending people on exchanges and things like that. Um, but, you know, I had these ideas, for instance, at, at one point I was interested as well in San Francisco Ballet, mm-hmm. but I thought, oh, well, I don't have an American passport. And, and you <laughs> that know, was it. Some, and... yeah, like for some reason that made me just kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's not going to happen. And I don't, you know, I don't know why, like what a silly thing. Mm-hmm. There, there were a few points where I was, you know, I, I had some struggles in my career and I was frustrated and I wasn't sure that things were going to go the way I hoped. And so those, there were a couple other times that I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I should be looking somewhere else. Um, and funnily enough, each time I did that, something would happen that I 
kind of thought, oh, maybe I should see how this goes. Like almost kind of in the nick of time, something big kind of Mm -hmm. changed. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe this will (laughs) kind of work out. So yeah, definitely. I mean, over 20 years, I think it would be strange if I didn't have times where I thought, oh, you know, there could be something. Right. Yeah. You know, the grass may be greener somewhere Mm -hmm. else. Right, right, right. So how long were you in the school before you ultimately joined the company? Uh, five years. Okay. Yeah. So then you, well, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, what was that? Um, what was the invitation of the company? Like, did that follow like a, a sort of workshop or how, how, what's the yeah. process like taking school, um, school kids into the company? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit different now, just what the year looks like once mm-hmm. you've been accepted into the company. But um the school was was really clear that they wanted everyone to go through the audition process. Now I'm sure because we had our school performances and things, and then you know the director of the company would come and see it. You know they they knew they would have right. known, right. but the company thought it was really important that we have that experience and do that process, um, which I I agree with. I mm-hmm. think I think that's true. Um, so yeah, I did the kind of numbers on the bodysuit kind mm-hmm. of audition, um, and did a, a class and some rep and a little bit of pas de and then was accepted into the, uh, apprenticeship year. Um, and I was actually quite, I mean, it was lucky for me. It wasn't especially great at the time, maybe for the company, because a few years before, um, there had been quite a severe funding cut. Mm. Uh, we used to get a lot of government funding and now it, it's been this whole transition to be, yes, we still have a lot of support from the government, but a lot of private sponsorship that uh, wasn't previously considered. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even think they had a, depart- a department in the company for that because wow. we were so supported by the government. Wow. But it was this it was this really sudden cut. And so the you know, the numbers of dancers dropped and unfortunately touring really dried up as well. Mm-hmm. But I joined right after there had been a big drop in numbers mm-hmm. of of dancers. So I guess the reasons I say it wasn't great for the company, but I got a lot of stage time really early. A lot of a lot of time in productions. You know, of course I was doing the core work and all of that, mm-hmm. which, are, you know, I, I was thrilled to be doing and um, right. it's uh, yeah, but I was, I was lucky because it, it wasn't like, Oh, maybe you get a matinee here and there as an apprentice. It was like, we need you on stage every single mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Right. So it was like this feeling of being part of things and part of that amazing, um, I guess, camaraderie and support that mm-hmm. the Porta Valle is. You know, that that thing that only exists in in a, a court of ballet, that yeah. that experience happened quite quickly for me, which was really great. About how many dancers were in the company at the time when you joined? Uh, I think it was down to about between 50 and 55. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And how, how what's the biggest that you've seen the company be in your tenure? Uh, I think about 75. Right. So that's yeah. A, yeah. a pretty big difference. Big difference. Yeah, pretty big difference. Yeah. 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 Now, some of that is also the character artists are not as much, you know, in the point shoes, things mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, it, it's a it's a big change in number. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So what were some of your first featured roles, your first inclinations that, you know, the staff was interested in you as more than just a court answer? Uh, 
I remember clearly the first one, actually, uh, James Kadelka's The Four Seasons, mm-hmm. um, which for a long time was a signature of our company um, before other companies started to do it. Uh, there's uh, two demi-soloist roles in the spring, well, in most sections, actually, but mm-hmm. in the spring section, there's these two demi-soloist roles. But it's just listed as, you know, principal woman and then lady two, lady three, lady. So I was listed as lady two and I didn't know. So I looked at the casting and then one of the coaches was saying, oh, good for you. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, thought I, I thought I was one of the group and, and uh-huh. just excited to be on the casting. Um, and so she said, oh, it's, you know, it's this role. And I thought, oh, you know, I had no idea when I first looked at the paper that it was actually a bit of a featured role. So mm-hmm. I do remember quite clearly that experience and it was um, really one of my favorite things that I've done on stage was, was this first opportunity. Um, I mean, the ballet as a whole is just really lovely to do. Um, And yeah, I just, I just loved every time we, we danced it. Yeah. Doing that role. So. Now, where do you stand on stage fright? <laughs> Are you, was that something like stepping into that, you know, a f- little bit of a featured role? Was that something that was very scary for you or you were excited? Um, kind of both. I mean, I, I, I suppose that I will have to admit I stand rather high on the stage fright scale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, yeah, it's a bit of a demon sometimes for me to shake. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, it, it's it's maybe gotten a bit worse. And I think that's possibly because in, in a leading role, you're not on every single night. Mm-hmm. So you might have one or two shots to mm-hmm. get it right. Right. And so, it, and there's space between shows. And so right, you right. start to have this gremlin sitting on your shoulder a little bit. So it's in some ways become harder mm-hmm. simply because there's a bit less stage time. Yeah, That makes total sense. I've thought of that before because yeah. like Rebecca and I have talked a lot about having stage fright at different points and the times when it abates the most are just the times where you're too tired. Like you're on stage too much. It becomes, you know, second nature. So it's like, you can't sustain that level of anxiety forever. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's too exhausting. Get rid of it. Yeah. You know, I, I have a question for you regarding stage fright, though, because you've done and you do so many full length roles. Is does that help take you out of it because you're doing a character, or is that an additional responsibility that can make it scarier? I actually feel like when right. it's a character, it's better. It's like, um, I think it's partly because there's something to rely on outside of just this exposing mm-hmm. technique. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the ballets without a storyline have this element to it that the entire audience, even if they don't know ballet will know if it didn't, right. you know, if you're meant to do this difficult step four times and the third time wasn't great, everybody knows. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just this exposure that just feels a little bit, I know in in a lot of ways, I know the audience is really on your side, but it it feels like a judgment perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know, like this feeling like everybody's looking to see if she makes that thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a bit hard for me. And I, it makes, it feels a little more lonely. Mm -hmm. And I think with a story, you have uh, a a character to draw upon, but then also this relationship with 
all the other dancers. Mm -hmm. And I think this intent that is um, a a way to focus your energies differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what was your first full-length opportunity? Which was the first role uh, that you danced a full-length? It was Cranko's Taming of the Shrew. So yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't done it since actually. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I think well, it's it's interesting because it's a difficult one. It, it can get some bad press. The story. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's been a while since uh, since some places have done it as mm-hmm. as well as us. But um, I had so much fun. I mean, yeah. it was it was really great. It was a good one as a first one. I Who think. staged Again, the ballet? Like, uh, Reed Anderson came to I was Reed. wondering if it was Reed. Yeah. So, so did yeah. Reed pick you for that or was that from the director? Um, I, I was picked from the director. I mean, he approved it, mm-hmm. uh, but I was actually originally understudy. Mm. And one of, one of the ladies got pregnant. Oh. So I got my first opportunity because, you know, somebody had a, a beautiful thing happen in their life. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I, I got pushed into that opportunity, which was, oh. yeah, it was great. It was great. Mm-hmm. And it was nice that it wasn't that someone got hurt or, right. you know, right. that's like, that's sick, a rare, you know? like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause then you kind of feel bad having that moment. Like it is a good moment yeah. for you, Someone but you're like, someone's hurting. Yeah, yeah. So that is yeah nice. And I'm sure they were very happy that you got to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really great. Yeah. What was like the next uh, step after that? Did you feel like that was kind of like a turning point now that you had had that, especially because you kind of came into it because you were the, un- the understudy. Do you feel like that was a yeah. turning point? Um, in, yeah, in some ways, yes. It's it's really interesting because I think early on in my career, there was um, a bit of up and down, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like I get this, this big opportunity and I kind of think, oh, maybe this is the kind of jumping off point. Right. And then I kind of wait for a bit. And it's not that I wasn't getting nice things, but mm-hmm. it wasn't to that level. Um, and and so, yeah, then I kind of start to, to question and think, oh, maybe that was a bit more of a one-off or it was mm-hmm. just that particular role, that sort of thing. So early on, I think there was just kind of a lot of, of up and down and, um, you know, quest questioning right. what, how this was going to go. When was your first promotion, your promotion to soloist? Was it before or after Timmy and the Shrew? And how many years was it? Um, so, yeah, my first my first promotion from Court of Ballet to Second Soloist was under the previous director, mm-hmm. James Kadelka. Right. Uh, and so that was in 2003. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the, the promotion after that was after there had been a change of directorship, actually. So, yeah. Right. So that must have been, you know, leadership transition is always rough. You know, it, you always question, is this going to work out? Or my, my path was one thing and whether or not you liked it, you knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And then someone new coming in, when you got promoted under the new director, did that feel like a sigh of relief? Like, I don't have to, um, you know, it's, it's that transition. You made it work for you. You knew you, it had worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, that was a really exciting moment actually, mm-hmm. because it was one of these things where I was the younger dancer and they had uh, cast Jules 
Mm-hmm. And I was given the opportunity to dance the the principal woman in diamonds. Mm-hmm. And I had one show. <laughs> and yeah, it was one of these things. <laughs> and um, so I, I was really, really excited to do it. And of course, super nervous to do mm-hmm. the show. And um, at the time, too, like I didn't know how to pace myself at all. Um, I remember getting to the finale and thinking, I, I think I'm going to be sick in the wings. Like right. I was so, so tired and, um, you know, kind of ran out of music in order to think about that and just had to run on again, you know, thinking mm-hmm. um, like, I, I, I still believe that that's probably the reason I wasn't sick in the wings because I just <laughs> had to end up going on stage. Yes. Um, no time. <laughs> yeah. No time to do that. Um, so the show went, went really well. And uh, usually they, they wait till the end of the season to do promotions. And um, I was really fortunate that after that show, I was called aside and that's how she told me. So it was a really special moment, actually. Uh, um, and just doing that ballet too. Oh, and yeah, especially I being, mean, amazing. Yeah, like yeah. when you were telling us, um, and since we'd been talking about stage fright and just hearing that you had one show of that, I was going to ask <laughs> you like, how were you feeling about it? But I imagine pretty great after. <laughs> Yeah, good, good after. And I think I had been really well prepared. Um, and, you know, I, of course, I warmed up super well. It was my one shot and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think once I got out there, I felt it was one of those shows that I actually felt rather comfortable somehow, mm-hmm. which is probably why it was successful. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things like you, you can't force that feeling, but when it right. happens, mm-hmm. it's, oh. yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. you you achieved another promotion to the rank of principal dancer in 2011 mm-hmm. after another mm-hmm. full-length ballet. This is Christopher Wilden's Alice in Wonderland. Um, at that point, you've been with the company for 12 years. Um, so you, you, know, you had these consistent promotions, but as you said, you had ups and downs. Mm-hmm. What did it feel like to achieve that, you know, as a, a dancer that had been, you know, you've been there for more than a decade. Like yeah. a lot of, sometimes people get promoted super fast and then it can teeter out, peter out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, what does that feel like as a, as a vet? I mean, it feels just silly to call someone who's probably like 30 <laughs> a vet, but. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but you know, like, what was that? When you got your pr- promotion to principal? Uh, yeah. So this, I mean, this was another one of those things where it's funny when you stop thinking about things, how things can kind of end up going the way you've been hoping. Um, and leading into Alice, I mean, even after that, that really exciting promotion I just told you about, there was still some kind of ups and downs and, and feeling like, you know, to be honest, I, I was for a really long time struggling to be, uh, adept at more contemporary work and things like that. And so I, I wondered for a long time what that meant for me if I wasn't just versatile across everything. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the, the principal dancers in the company and thinking, oh, they're always cast across the board. Right. And what does it mean about me that I'm not? And maybe I won't get there because of this this reason, you know, it's it, I, I do these things well and they're putting me in it, but then everything else they're kind of thinking, oh, maybe that's not for her. And this was this was what was in my mind. And mm-hmm. I think I also spent a lot of time then trying to make myself different, you know, rather than emphasizing the strengths that I had. You know, of course, you have to work on things, but I kept looking and trying to see, oh, what it is, what is it about that person 
that is so attractive to the person coming into casting and, 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 you know, feeling a little bit, you know, in some ways it's, it, it feels funny for me to say this now, but I really felt like, Oh, I'm not really cool enough. You know, <laughs> like I, you, you know, put me in a tutu and that's lovely. And it took me a long time to think, Oh, that that's also, you know, that's really hard and that's really great. And I really like being in a tutu and right. I enjoy that. Um, but I always kind of thought, Oh, I don't have enough of an edge and I'm not really cool. And mm. you know, so I, this, this was always kind of a struggle for me. And I, I, it took a, a bit to my confidence, mm-hmm. you know, having these experiences. Um, so I guess long story to say, uh, coming back to Alice, um, I was so excited that this was happening and I saw my name on the casting and I just thought, okay, like, right. I'm diving in, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. And I, I had had the experiences before where choreographers from, from UK tended to take to me. And a lot of, you know, my very early training, my, one of my first teachers had danced with Sadler's Wells. And so I think I absorbed something really young. So English choreographers would come and they, they kind of go, Oh, okay. And Christopher was this, is this great combination of the English style and the American style. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what my rep had been through my career. You know, we had done a lot of balancing when I was younger in the company. And we had done a lot of, you know, Macmillan and Ashton. And things. so we had, we had that combination. So I think I understood Christopher's work and, mm-hmm. And felt comfortable in it from the beginning, but then I also just worked and worked and worked. Because I, I will admit, you know, the starting point where I started with that ballet is not nearly where I got to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it was this moment where I thought, you know, I've been worrying about all this stuff for so long. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to enjoy this because I love it. I love it so much. And, um, and, and I just... Yeah, dove in and had a blast and loved working with Christopher. And that's when I, I first met uh, Jackie Barrett, who works with him so mm-hmm. often. Um, and, you know, she became such a dear friend and mentor for me. Um, so it was it was all these things that kind of came into place uh, that I just fell in love with. And to the point, which was... Also something I think about now, which I thought was kind of funny, that there's a, a party at the end of the year where they announce promotions. And I I had had a couple times where I went to this party. That is so stressful. Interrupt before you yeah. even finish. Like, wait, so you guys just know, like you just everyone's going to this party and it's like you've got a chance, you have an idea, maybe but like, you the feel like you've done the rep. But you no. they so they used to tell dancers ahead of no, it, it's hard. They used to tell dancers ahead of time and then it would always leak. Yeah. So they didn't want they wanted it all to be this big surprise. Um and I get that, but there were a few years where it's not I so much of a leak. party. Yeah, it's not so much of a party <laughs> when you're really hoping to hear your name. Yeah. And you don't hear it. Oh. And that is awful. Um, and so a couple of years in a row, this had happened, you know, I go to the party and I thought, oh, I've kind of done some things and maybe this is going to happen. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. And then it, it didn't. And I was just so disappointed and, and so upset. And so the year we did Alice, I actually checked my name, but I wasn't going to go 
because I thought, oh, you know, my parents are in town. We're just going to go to dinner. I keep going to these parties oh. and I'm having, I'm having such a nice time doing this role Yeah. that I don't want to go to this party and then have a disappointment when really I, I'm just enjoying this. Like, can I just enjoy this and not, and not care? And so it was, it was kind of interesting. So after, after the, was it a matinee or something? So our director comes on stage and she says, um, Oh, so um, I hope you're coming to the party later. And I said, Oh, well, actually I'm going for dinner with my parents. <laughs> and she said, um, well, you can bring your parents. Yeah, like, oh. why don't why don't you come to the party? And so I thought, oh, okay. But then I'm still thinking, don't get your hopes up because they have all you know. They have these they have these other awards that happen at this party, and I thought, oh my gosh, if I go in and I'm thinking maybe I'm getting a promotion to principal dancer, and these other awards are lovely. Like, don't get me wrong, sure, it's sure. really nice, but you know, come on. So. I'm thinking, wouldn't that be something? I go in, you know, skipping on air, thinking this is the night. Um, and so, I mean, thankfully, it was. And I was, I was so relieved and excited, and yeah, just over the moon when they said it. Um, that I just, yeah, I was a bit of a wreck. <laughs> and that's and that's where the party is really cool because then your parents were there yeah. to celebrate. Yeah. Like, what did that mean to all of you to have that moment to share that moment together? Yeah, I mean that was really special that they were there, and I, you know, they were talking about it for a long time that they were able to be at the party and to see that. Because um, yeah, it, I mean, it was it was really exciting. And usually, that is a bit of a closed situation where it, you know, it's it's a company and patrons event. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, another year they wouldn't have been invited or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was really exciting. So cool. <laughs> I, I'm still stressed about the party, but yes, uh, as long as it, <laughs> I know. No, I mean it, there's a lot of there's sometimes a rush for the bar after. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Oh man. So let's talk a little bit about what um, the past year has been like dealing with the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm particularly curious because we're obviously very connected to very American centric companies. And that has just been a total flat out no go, you know, no one's doing anything or digital work or, you know, but what's the atmosphere for the arts been like in Canada during COVID? Oh, so it's been, yeah, it's been pretty tough. I'm each province has a different, um, way of going about things. So for instance, unfortunately right now, Ontario, where where the National Valley is, is um, hit pretty hard arts-wise. So we haven't even managed to do the film projects that we were hoping mm -hmm. to do in the fall. Right. And it's been delayed, you know, countless times. And it, it keeps feeling like we get two weeks out from doing something and then it it doesn't go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's been quite frustrating, and you know, film and TV is allowed to work, and sports teams are allowed to work, Ugh. but then like theater companies aren't allowed to. And this sounds like New York City to me. It's yeah. deja vu here. It's, yeah. But why? It's just so frustrating. I was hoping it's, Canada would be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, in some provinces, there have been some film projects going ahead and things like that, and a couple of there have mm. been some distanced performances. Um, 
you know, in, in my hometown, there were a couple, uh, and I was actually hoping to dance there in December. And again, it was like two weeks before it was canceled. And this was, you know, 50 people in the room, right. um, you know, two dancers on stage. Um, these, you know, they put in a lot of protocols and things like that. And it was frustrating because, you know, there's other businesses with similar protocols right. that were allowed to go to go ahead. And mm-hmm. I think that's the more frustrating bit. Like I'm not, I'm not really suggesting that we should just open everything. And for right. me personally, I've been really nervous and cautious about the, the virus, you know, I was, I've always been taking it really, really seriously. Mm-hmm. I just think when it's really uneven, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's really upsetting because some people suffer so greatly right. and then others are just fine, but then the numbers keep climbing. Right. And so I, you know, that's, that's, what's been hard mm-hmm. is, you know, you kind of look in this in with theater companies in Canada, a lot of them spend a ton of money on new equipment and, retrofitting their spaces for air ventilation and then buying all this filming equipment that then all of a sudden they've said, actually, you can't film. Right. But a film company could rent out the theater and, you know, like it's kind of, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Yeah. But I think, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask what you're doing in Australia right now. What is your, what are you up to? I'm, yeah, I'm very lucky. I, um, yeah, after, after a year, I mean, it was pretty rough at home, you know, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of um, <laughs> ups and downs emotionally, I think. Uh, but having said that, we, we are extremely fortunate. And I will, uh, I will say that while we've taken a pay cut, we haven't been taken off payroll. And that's been, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I understand how fortunate I am for that. It's amazing. Um and yeah, so I have managed to make my way to Brisbane because my partner is Australian and he has joined Queensland Valley. And so I was able to get a visa sort of piggybacking on his passport. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm super lucky. I, I'm lucky that I got a visa and I'm lucky that I got a flight that wasn't canceled and actually got here because I know there's citizens stranded depending on what country they're in. They're not mm-hmm. able to get home. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like all these things fell into place, which has been amazing. Um, but sort of my plan has been get to Australia question mark. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm sort of, you know, kind of open to anything. I've been doing some classes with Queensland ballet Um and it's been amazing to be in a room with a teacher and, I mean, really, really strong classes here. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was a lot to get used to because in some cities in Australia still that people are masked, masked up, but in Brisbane, they're not. Oh. And so I'm walking and people are close to me. And I went into a theater to watch some performances on the weekend, to, you know, to see Queensland Valley perform. And. I have to say, like, after so long at home and feeling like, oh, in and out and in and out. Okay, well, maybe we're going to do something. Maybe we're going to get sent home again. And I kind of got used to it. Well, why not? I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll have a routine either way. And I'm I'm really lucky compared to so many people in the world. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of felt okay. Like I was all right. And then coming here, I watched firstly the Australian Ballet's broadcast of their show. And I was watching it through the screen. You know, I wasn't in Melbourne. I was watching it through the screen. 
And the orchestra started playing and completely on the blue, I burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And because it was for real and it wasn't right. this compromise and it was actually happening. And these dancers were with a full stage and a full audience and full orchestra and everybody close together. And I really didn't expect to have such emotional reactions. And then the next weekend I was, uh, I was able to go watch Queens of Ballet perform their 60th anniversary program, which should have happened last year mm-hmm. and, and was delayed. So, it, you know, it's 61 years, but it's 60. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, I sat there and I'm looking at them and I mean, there's all these people. So I feel a little bit strange that there's someone right beside me yeah. and right in front of me and right behind me and everybody's breathing on each other. And I mean, it felt like I was in an alternate universe and and then the show started and they began the opening night with this big day delay and it was the whole academy and it was the whole company and everybody coming in, you know, like rank by rank by rank to like, oh. you know, finishing, starting with the youngest kids in the school and finishing with their senior principals and this full stage and, you know, like, of course, the big day delay music. And, mm-hmm. and in some ways, sometimes those things can be really corny or cheesy stuff, right. but this was like mad like it was just so wonderful and I'm sitting there you know crying in the yeah. delay that's opening the show and it was just really really something you know when I thought I was doing okay and then just having that experience was really special I can't even imagine. It sounds like a world. I mean, it, the, it it's, the, it's the masklessness for me. Like, I just can't believe. I mean, of course I can believe. It's like, it, it, it's yeah. it, there. It's based on, you know, whatever metrics they have, you know, almost next to no, no cases, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, they have like nothing. And yeah, so, you know, they've had a couple cases and then they shut down for a couple of days. Right. Contact trace, get rid of them because there's so few Right. There's so few people to contract trace with, so they can right. actually do that. They can do it. I know. I mean, but, it was such a joke yeah. in America, the contact tracing. It was just like, you can't contact trace when there are tw- even the lowest we ever got was 20,000 cases a day. That was oh last God. June. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. It's it's very strange. And I I took quite a few days to not kind of feel like I should back up from people. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there going, you know, don't be weird. Don't back away. <laughs> I just, yeah. I was getting anxiety about the idea that I was going to come into contact people with people who were not going to be wearing masks. Yeah. And I was playing out these scenarios. Like if I go into the bank and I have to speak with somebody because, you know, I'm doing banking as a Canadian in a foreign country, you know, Mm -hmm. I've not really had to figure out how that works before. Um, And I was thinking, well, I'm going to be speaking to somebody in person and they're not going to be wearing a mask. And so I was going through this whole banking scenario for some reason, it was the bank and getting a lot of anxiety about this idea of speaking with one of the bank employees and being close to them and not having a mask. And, you know, now I've been in, in just a normal class and I, I guess it it is so weird to imagine and almost I'm getting to the point where it's it feels kind of because it's so different, it feels weird to imagine where I have come from. Come from. But I guess that's it's kind of a comforting thing in the sense that, you know, to tell everybody it it can happen. You kind of forget quickly and it can happen and yeah. these experiences are happening somewhere, you know. And it feels really strange that what I came from now feels so foreign. It, mm-hmm. it makes me feel 
so hopeful that we can come out of it and things can be normal. And in some ways, you know, not that you forget, and I think we shouldn't forget, you know, we have to remember to, I don't know, keep the things that have changed that are more positive, you know, and, and, and all of that. But in some ways you kind of forget quickly and it's so easy and so human to be close with everybody Mm -hmm. and it feels really good. And I, I kind of forgot how good that feels to hug somebody to, to be in a class with a, you know, with a live pianist in the corner and it's not over the computer and Mm -hmm. there's, there's this energy in the room. And I, I think I didn't quite realize how, how much that affects things, how, how it affects your energy for the entire day being in a class full of people. Right. Or, you know, I, I went to a play a couple of nights ago and it was on the anniversary of, you know, the weekend where everything closed down. Right. And it, the, the particular play I went to was in commemoration of that. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there were a hundred people in the theater and we all watched this play together and everybody was so in it and engaged. And there was a fair bit of audience participation, which normally I'm really squeamish about, but I was just in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it. And, and the whole room had this energy. And so I think, I think what's nice is people are appreciating here what is happening, that, that things are open. Um, but yeah, also everybody is, is just thinking about everyone who has yet to get there, you know, mm. it, it will. And it feels amazing. It really does. That's such a beautiful glimpse of the future. That's <laughs> right. I can't think of a better way to, to end the larger portion of portion of the interview because it's just so exciting to imagine. And I'm so glad you're getting to experience yeah. that. Yes. And, yeah. And you're telling us it's, what it's like. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this magical world where <laughs> real life is happening. Well, yeah. It's you. really special. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. And thank, thank you. I'm you. glad we finally figured it out with the time difference and yeah. everything. And <laughs> yeah. It's Monday yeah. where you are and Sunday where we are. So <laughs> that's also cool. Yeah. Um, thank yeah. you so much. It was thank you. to chat with you. You as well. Thanks so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.